0: Have a deal in mind and a group of investors ready to go? Use TribeVest to pool your capital together through a multi-member LLC. TribeVest has streamlined the group investment process, making it easy, quick, and safe to do business with others. Start a tribe and invite your partners to join. Then you can use the platform to collaborate with your partners, pool capital, and manage your joint investments. I'm in 12 tribes myself. It is a great way to learn from others, spread risk, and get into deals at lower minimums. Go to tribevest.com to get started today.
1: This is Chad Ackerman, the host of the LFI Spotlight Podcast. As part of our growth here at Leftfield Investors, the LFI Spotlight is moving to its own podcast feed. So if you'd like to continue to hear stories, tips, and receive advice, be sure to subscribe to the LFI Spotlight Podcast today. We'll see you in the spotlight. Number one opportunity for me personally, where I'm going to be placing my own personal capital The greatest allocation as oil and gas. Um, it's that I've never seen anything like this. And it's really time to get over your fears and dip your toe and uh, make some money here. I think the distressed debt is a real opportunity. I think there's gonna be real opportunities coming in down the pike with stuff that's hitting the fan. And I've always loved distressed debt. Hello, left fielders.
0: Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently.
1: Let's go. This is Brian Burke from Praxis Capital and you are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast.
0: This is the second part of the two-part podcast interview with Bob Fraser. If you didn't catch part 1 last week, please be sure to listen to that first so you don't miss out on any of the great content for, from Bob. On to part 2. So I I'd like to pivot now um into the the mega trends, right? Cuz th- this is something that you I've heard you talk numerous times about it and and um so you, I think in the presentation I most recently list or saw, you had four of them: demographics, energy, inflation, and interest rates. So, can you can we start with demographics? You touched on it a little bit, but just tell us what what the trend is and, and what you're seeing. And then, um, at each trend, like how can we capitalize? What are the asset classes that that will help us capitalize on that trend?
1: All right. Well, demographics is a shocker. I mean, when I give these stats, people look at me like I've got three heads. And this is this is mathematics, guys. This is the United Nations population databases, okay? This is stuff that is well researched and here's the here's the truth. China within 75 years, China's population will be just about half what it is today. Their population of half. Imagine Imagine a China with 50% fewer people. I mean, how many roads do they need? How many apartment complexes are they going to be needing? How many, you know, and then, and it's worse than this they're, they're going to lose half of their population, but two thirds of their workforce are going to be gone. Well, how does a nation that's a manufacturing power lose two thirds of its workforce, right? if you don't think this changes the world and everything in the world you're 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 not watching so demographics are like you know like the demographics of economics right or the uh, sorry the glaciers of economics they move <laughs> imperceptibly slow but they also change the entire landscape incredibly and it is a very big deal china is is not going to be an industrial power anymore by the time your, you know your grandchildren or, or, or your age or your great grand, your, your, yeah, your grandchildren are your age, they're not going to be an industrial power. They're going to be a second rate power trying to you know and, and and we'll see if the communist regime can even survive this. right? So that's that's critical and and you look you know, it's not too far off in all of Asia. It's not too dissimilar in Russia and some of the other countries. A lot of the bad boy nations. They have massive demographic problems. Italy is is kind of unbelievable. We've never seen demographics like this. We're literally it's, it's going to be like a retirement home. I mean, there's nobody left, and for in Italy, who's gonna who's gonna make the make the you know espresso? I mean, there's <laughs> everyone has just retired in the entire nation. We've never seen anything like. We don't even have economic models for this. So that's where I'll put on my my head and I'll noodle for a while and think. Okay, I'll make you know speculations about what I think might happen um, but it's going to change everything um and you know China's problem is all self-created they had a one child policy 350 million forced abortions that is the entire population of the United States aborted and and they and they favored aborting females Right. And, so they about, and and by the way, females, as last I heard, are the ones who make babies, right? So <laughs> they carry ba- babies, and and in fact, the they they call it a birth ratio, and you have to have 2.1 births per woman to maintain a population. They've they're right now at 1.15 births per woman, and they don't even have enough women. So the problem is their population of young women is teeny tiny and the ones that they do have are only having 1.15 children. They're it is they're so locked in and they are so screwed as a nation. Well, what does that mean? Well, this plays into a larger trend of deglobalization. So the world is massively globalized since 1945, the end of World War II. And when the US kind of set up this Pax Americana, right, and enforced global trade and policed the nations oceans and you know, limited bad boy operators um, across – I mean prior prior to World War II, trade wasn't global because there was too many bad boy operators that would interdict shipping lanes and piracy and whatever. That all stopped. Well – and if you look at – you can measure the trade, the percentage of trade divided by GDP and it just went up and to the right until just a few years ago and it reversed. You're seeing a massive deglobalization trend. What happened is the world realized it has over-globalized, that. A lot of times it's just – it doesn't make sense to globalize that much. And right now, it's cheaper to manufacture in America than in China for a lot of things. Um, if you count robotics, you count shipping, you count tariffs, and certainly if you count supply chain risk, right? Um, add to the fact that – you know you know who the world's largest oil producer is? Well, it's actually America. It's the United States. Yeah. And well, if you need energy security – or you have you have an energy intensive business? There's only one nation in the world you want to be in. Do you know China imports all of its oil from Saudi Arabia? You know, well, okay, what happens if there's you know they lose access to that? In America, that's not a problem. And and furthermore, right now, natural gas prices two dollars and fifty cents a thousand cubic feet in America. In Europe, it's fifteen dollars, and in Asia, it's fifteen dollars you, you want you have an energy intensive industry at all there's only one place in the world you want to be right now and that's America we're the only industrialized uh, nation and industrial power that has access to energy the only one so so anyhow this is all driving an industrial industrial boom in America reindustrialization of America and it's just beginning um we've got at least two decades in this so it's a massive megatrend the world's deglobalizing by the way America's population, we do not have the demographic tsunami of other nations we actually have a millennial population i mean you know i say we don't understand them but we're glad they're here you know <laughs> uh, so um and america has a has a demographic future and when a lot of nations really don't they're becoming they're going to become shells of themselves and the world population is declining right now and yeah. um and shocker of all shockers you know we've seen yeah. Uh, you know, so anyhow, it, it changes everything and one of the biggest trends we're tracking right now is industrial, industrial real estate in America, um, which we think – I mean right now vacancy rates of class A industrial space is basically nil um, and in spite of – I can't remember how many hundreds of millions of square feet was brought online and fully absorbed. You know, the last stat I saw from Prologis, who's a large REIT, industrial REIT. Said just their existing clients need eight hundred million square feet of space. Eight hundred million square feet of space needed. Wow! And in spite of all the building, it's not. There's not enough. And uh, and like I said, the the numbers are there. We we're building at 60, 65 a square foot in industrial part of Wichita, and it's worth dollar twenty square foot once we're done, you know, and leased. And if we lease to a credit tenant, it's even more than that. So yeah.
0: Oh, that, that's great so the next trend is energy and I know some of these you know kind of overlap a little bit but can you talk about what's what's happening
1: in energy and what's
0: going to happen in energy
1: yeah energy energy is something real estate investors need to get comfortable with okay so most most people everyone knows someone who lost money in in energy right you know I mean it's Definite, one of my partners said, "You know, yeah, definition of an oil well is a hole in the ground with a liar on top." You know, and I, <laughs> I, I get that. But trust me, there's a lot of money being made in oil, right? Some of the largest companies in the world. So there's money there. You just got to make sure you 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 get the right people and not the wrong people, because because it's minting money. Well, what's happened? This is this is the biggest ridiculous thing in the world. So what happened? remember the the obama recession that never quite ended right from 2010 and it just we the economy never quite recovered you know bless his heart he couldn't get behind business and help you know business create jobs couldn't do it you know um but we had this we had this thing where demand for energy just was kind of plateauing and the narrative came out that we were now post fossil fuels the world <laughs> was post fossil yeah. fuels we don't need them anymore. And, and what happened? Well, then who would want to invest in a dying business? And what? And besides it's dying, it's dirty, right? It's dirty. Yeah. It's ugly. If you say I'm a fossil fuel investor, you know, I'm pumping, I'm pumping. oil. <laughs> well, you got to put a paper bag over your head. All right. But that's the time when you got to put a paper bag over your head. That's the time you want to be investing. Okay. When yeah. Everything's hated. So, so what happened, the world stopped investing in energy and, in 2015 since 2015 we've seen a 55 percent decline in investment in new energy production that's this is horrible the, the the world's not developing oil fields and hasn't for the last seven years and right now um it you know we're seeing a five to seven percent decline in oil and um, oil capacity oil production every year because of depletion right that's just the nature of the game we have we need 5 billion or 5 million barrels a day of new production every year just to make up for that and that takes investment takes a massive amount of drilling developing and no the world hasn't been doing it so we're seeing a a massive supply constraint so it's just supply constraint is just coming down like crazy as soon as demand hits this there is going to it's increase in demand is going to met be met by any elastic supply, do you know what an elastic supply means? It means it doesn't matter what the price is, you're not going to get more oil. There's no more oil to get. There's nothing to turn on anymore. Mm-hmm. anymore. And so this is this is just insane what the world has done, and and extremely foolish. I mean, John Kerry has been running around defunding fossil fuel investment for the last ten years and trying to get big money to to pull money out of oil and not loan to oil companies. Well, oil companies, they've quit borrowing money. You know, they're, they've just, they're so sick of it. They're done. They say no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yeah. You know, you know, Biden is on hey, drill. They're like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and then what? And and then, they're, they're, you know, the current administration is going to Venezuela to ask them to increase. Well, these are the American hating anti, you know, Marxist, you know, don't, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous, but you know, foolishness ends up always um, being exposed and it's about to be exposed. So we're, we're seeing a, a huge, huge opportunity here, opportunity of, of a lifetime. Really. It's an opportunity of a, of a generation to get into oil and gas when it's incredibly cheap. Here, here, here's the other thing you want know a cap rate is right un, unlevered, mm-hmm. unlevered income, un, unlevered yield on capital, right? Um, and if you could get an apartment complex right now, you know, Class A, you're maybe going to be getting it at a four or five cap rate. Do you know what the cap rate is of oil fields right now? Fifteen. Hmm. Really? Fifteen. Yeah. So, and that is, and that's that's includes fields that are twenty percent developed and have all this five x upside of new drilling opportunities. Yeah.
0: That's, so what's that's the opportunity? The definition
1: of being on sale, Jim. That <laughs> is on freaking sale, and if we're not buying, so I'm just hoping oil prices stay low f- for the remainder of the year while we're we're rounding out our portfolio and uh, buying. We're buying. Is we're just backing up the truck now and buying great assets at fire sale prices, and uh, pretty pumped about it.
0: What What are the um what are the what are the opportunities there like is it the drilling is it the owning of the mineral rights what's what are what are how do investors capitalize on on this energy issue
1: really anything our favorite is what we you know you can make money on on uh, property rights you know the royalty interests the problem is a lot of people park a lot of money and it ends up just sitting there and not really producing much right you got to be super smart about understanding where the development is going. All right. So we don't like that as much. I'm I'm the kind of guy that I really want to be able to pull some levers and push some buttons to make money. Right. Not the guy (laughs) who just, I want to park somewhere and hope money comes to me or hope somebody throws money. I'm not that guy. So our favorite is the non-operated working interests. So where we own the leases, we buy the leases from the royalty owners, right? The landowners, and we, we agree to pay them royalties and we own the lease, and then we, we don't operate that lease. We give another operator uh, access to that lease and we share the revenues. And so what we're buying right now is non-operating working interest where the operators are oil companies, named oil companies, as you would know. These are the big big guys who mm-hmm. bring kind of massive amounts of expertise and resources to bear. And and we we don't have to you know turn a drill or something. So that's our that's our favorite um, we like this favorite strategy that is fits our our profile and uh, and like I said you know fifteen percent returns the money the money is in the drilling. I mean we just drilled three wells in one of our existing things and all three you know and they just start throwing off money like you would not believe these things hit and. And people think of it, you know, you, you think about the, the good old days when, you know, you get a dry well or, you know, it's really not like that anymore. The geology is so well understood that dry wells are very, very rare, right? And especially if you're doing horizontal, um, they know where the layers are and they just go till they hit the layer. Then they turn and go horizontal and they just start plowing through the layer, you know, and it's yeah. it's just this is very well understood and the technology is very advanced. They have lots of you know seismic technologies and other time, ty- you know, other technologies where they really can model what's below the ground with great accuracy. So it's just not that risky. Um, and uh, so it's just an incredible opportunity that most people are afraid of. And I'm glad they are because that makes them cheap as dirt.
0: At BAM Capital, we democratize institutional grade multifamily assets for the individual investor. Since inception, we've averaged over a 31% annualized return net to our investors. My name is Ivan Barrett. I'm the founder and CEO of BAM Capital. I sincerely hope you go to the website capital.thebamcompanies.com and check out BAM Capital.
1: Hi, this is Zach Happenstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we've successfully purchased 38 different properties worth over $1.5 billion worth of real estate and gone full cycle and sold 11 different properties, drastically exceeding projections for our investors. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona or Dallas, Texas markets, then we're the group for you. To learn more about investing with us, visit our website at rise48equity.com and set up a call with me. Thank you.
0: Well, how do how do the LPs get over that? Right? There's like if in our community, we bring up oil and gas and you'll get 5, 10, 20 people, "Oh man, I I lost money on that." I, you know, ponzi scheme not ponzi scheme dry wells whatever how do people get comfortable with an asset class like this because it is known to be boom and bust a lot of people have lost money on it a lot of people have made money on it and when we're investing real estate we're typically thinking you know our capital if we pick the right operator our capital should be safe and we're going to earn a return on that but with oil and gas the reputation is even with a good operator you might lose so
1: how do how do you get comfortable with that as an lp you know, don't do anything you're not comfortable with. And, and, um, if you're not comfortable with it, well, stay out of it. You, at the end of the day, you want to go to bed at night and not worry about anything. Right. And, and be, have a good night's sleep. But that said, Hey, dip your toe, man, take uh, take 10% of your portfolio and try it out with a, with a good operator and see what happens. But, um, uh, and these things these these oil fields have a lot of residual value too. It's not it's it is real estate in the, the day. It's it's treated like real estate and uh you know the the last deal we did we bought we bought uh 23,000 acres uh leases on 23,000 acres and the returns are wonderful but it's only 20% developed. So we're we're basically putting in a drilling program right now and it's just returns are insane and we, we can do this for 10 years and sell it for more money than we got into it. So, you know, it is real estate in a day. And uh, really the real issue is operators. That's the real issue. There's a lot right. of shady operators out there. Don't go with the little guy. Um, You know, who, who knows what he's selling, right? You know, the yep. brother-in-law deal um, go with, go with seasoned <laughs> operators. It makes sense. So the
0: next one, um, mega trends, is persistent inflation, and you mentioned this briefly that you think inflation is going to be around for a long time. So can you talk about uh, inflation?
1: Yes. Um, there's a few things happening. One is, one is demographics. So a lot of a lot of inflation. Uh, or a, a lot of the low inflation or low interest rates environment was brought about by the baby boomers hitting their hitting their key wealth earning years and putting their money into the markets. And as more money flooded the markets, you know it necessarily drove down returns. Um, we're seeing aging baby boomers now, and they're going to be pulling money out of the markets. So we're seeing necessarily higher interest rates as there's just fewer deposits and investments. You know, happening that's that's a kind of a smaller, longer term thing. Another thing we, we, we see is energy. So, if, if you actually break down the CPI uh, rises we had last year, the big increases, almost all of it was due to rising energy prices. And if you look at the easing of inflation recently, it's almost entirely due to energy prices. That energy is a significant component of, of inflation. And what's more is energy is kind of what I call the mother of all commodities, right? You think of, well, wheat is different than oil, right? But guess what? If you're going to plant and harvest and and weed and all this stuff, you're going to use diesel tractors. It's all energy. Everything yeah. takes energy. Everything takes energy. It's the mother of all commodities. And so if, if diesel prices or energy prices rise, everything rises. Right. And so – so, so my my view is that if energy prices remain elevated, you're going to see more persistent inflation, and we, I believe we will see higher energy prices for the reasons I just gave. And mega trend number two, there, you know, so that's that's number three kind of driver inflation, and number 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 uh, or number two driver inflation, number three driver of inflation is the kind of the uh, the work the changes in the workforce. So we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people retiring. We're seeing aging of the workforce. Again, it is demographics. We're seeing people aging out of the workforce. So there was a really interesting chart. If you saw the labor participation rate, which is the percentage of the population that is in the, in the considered in the job market during COVID, it's dropped, spiked down and it never quite recovered. And all these are other ways arguing about why hasn't people gone back to work? And then, uh, uh, BlackRock came out with a uh, a chart that showed they overlaid demographic changes, and it turns out it was aged out. People took COVID and took a retirement, and said, "Let let me begin my retirement." This is not changing. We're we're seeing there's just fewer and fewer young people, and you know, and so we're going to see wages be more elevated, and uh, you're you're seeing you know, I mean McDonald's now you're ordering from a machine. You know, a lot of times, yeah, everything's changing about about this and so wages are going to be going to be elevated because there's just worker shortages for demographic reasons um so those are the things that are going to keep inflation higher than most analysts are predicting Um, i'm one of the few out there that's basically saying this and i've been saying this for a couple years now and so far i've been right and i I think i'm gonna be um so we'll see
0: so do you think the inflation issue was coming regardless because of demographics, or was it accelerated by the pandemic, the uh, you know well, the war in Europe, the supply chain, all of that stuff? Is it all combined in there? And and are we going to get the supply chain back from yes. post COVID, or is that going to help a little bit? I guess is the question. Yes,
1: yes. You see, COVID COVID created a crisis, but it also You know, there's we have long-term trends of demographics that are underlying, but the crisis did did happen. Same with supply chain and the disruption of oil out of out of uh, out of uh, Russia. You know, change you know drove up prices, but it's beyond that. It's uh, it's only exposing these big trends, these glacial trends under the surface that we caught the first edge of that, the first stress points on there, and so we're going to see it's both we're we're seeing it would not be evident right it's the as as this as this you know this this lack of supply meets any kind of demand change you, you as soon as there's a little crisis you're going to see it exposed with high prices right and then the next crisis again and then the next crisis is going to be sooner and again and that's what happened right all right so the fourth uh, trend was interest rates
0: you want to talk about interest rates and what was the trend about interest rates? I think that was just one of the ones on your uh, on your list of four mega trends. Was the uh, was the interest rates? I assume it was the uh, interest rate increasing, or is that not one of your uh, one of your trends? That's what I had on my on my list.
1: Yeah, I I I think. Well, I I think the trend was um, was really what we talked about at the beginning of the show, which was kind of the defaults coming and okay. Um, so uh, you know we're, we're going to be seeing these. Uh, you know, we're as okay, I mean we've already talked about this. So we're, we're seeing defaults hitting the market as interest rates become uh, all, all deals that penciled it. You know, three percent interest rates don't pencil anymore, and no. there's a lot of deals that shouldn't be done, and you're going to see some real blowups from those things.
0: Okay, so we we've talked about you know uh, four basically trends right mega trends you you talked about so the opportunities then sounds like so far we've heard industrial and oil and gas and probably distressed real estate now what what are some other asset classes that that we should be looking at to capitalize on on some of these uh these trends that we're in the middle of or going into yeah
1: some of the opportunities well Number one opportunity for me personally where I'm going to be placing my own personal capital or the greatest allocation is oil and gas. Um, it's that I've never seen anything like this. And um, it's really time to get over your fears and dip your toe and uh, make some money here. Um, I think the distressed debt is a real opportunity. I think there's going to be real opportunities coming in down the pike um, with stuff that's hitting the fan. And I've always loved distressed debt, and we, we're we looking at putting together a distressed debt fund. I mean, we love distressed debt. We've got a, got a lot of track record in that. And so we're kind of thinking about, about this, but it's a little early right now. I think it might be more, I think it might be, you know, might wait 18 months or, or two years, and then we'll put a distressed debt fund in place.
0: Um, wait, can you tell so, us What what is distressed debt? Like, I, I, obviously, it's distressed debt, right? It's debt that has problems. But how do you solve that problem.
1: How do you how do you invest in that? Well, what we would do is put a fund together that would go and basically do do equity deals where we buy out the, you know, we would go and say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll become senior. You know, you're you're an operator with a deal that's marginal and we'll come in above the senior loan. We'll come in with the mezzanine debt, for instance, and we'll we'll charge very high interest rates. But you you think you can fix this deal, great. If you fix this deal, you pay us off. We're going to make our high interest rates. If not, we're going to take over the deal and do a cram down of your equity. And now it's our deal. Um, so those kind of things, there's lots of ways to structure it. There's mezzanine, there's, yeah. uh, there's bridge, there's uh, there's a lot of things. So, but again, I just think it's a little early in the markets right now. You're seeing, not seeing, you're seeing a wide bid-ask spread. So you're seeing a lot of the what people are willing to pay for, for a property and no one's willing to sell it for that yet. You know, so but we'll, we'll be seeing that. So distressed debt is a big opportunity. Um, I, I I think um, building, I think construction is legit. There's still a lot of demand, and you know, if you look at my the kind of the uh, the big economic the fork, economic forecast I've been doing, are we're seeing, and I've said this for well over a year. I said the Fed can put us into recession if they want, but they're going to have a hell of a time doing it. The economy is on freaking fire. And it has been because of the stimulus and a lot of things. And 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 it, you know, we're at the end of the time here. But I, you know, you know, I, I got a good dozen reasons what's happening in the market. So there's a huge demand. I mean, retail sales, it, retail sales has been on this massive up into the right trend until COVID, and then it's now up 30 percent above its uptrend. I mean, it's insane. People are going shopping like there's no tomorrow. Four trillion dollars in excess capital sitting in people's bank accounts from stimulus, and 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 the wealth effect is well enforced from you know the the rising stock market, rising house prices, and so huge opportunity. There's a huge demand. I don't want to buy stuff, but I can build stuff. So it's I I think I'm just very much into development right now, and I think you know we're looking at doing multifamily development, we're looking at doing uh, uh, commercial development. Um, another area we like again, that is on sale is, is retail. Okay. And we love neighborhood retail. Do you know what the cap rates right now and neighborhood retail centers are? I I assume it's high. I assume it's uh,
0: bag on, is it a bag
1: on your head asset class?
0: Not quite. Not quite. (laughs)
1: 9.5% cap rates. That means it's cash flowing at nine and a half percent. Well, these things, nothing has been built. The neighborhood centers have not been built for the last 15 years. And so there's massive shortages, and, pl- and demand is off the chain because of work from home. Everybody's shopping at their neighborhood, right? They're going to get their nails done, yeah. and getting their the liquor store and their dog groomer. People have a a home centric living now, right now, and this stuff is just on sale, and no one wants it. We're able to pick the stuff up for for a song, and 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 you do a little value add, like bringing rents to triple net, and. Bring them to market, and we were just we we're just minting money in these things. So we love we love certain kinds of retail, not all retail. Certain kinds we're very right. picky about that. Industrial, as I said, we're super super bullish. The vac- vacancy rate of big industrial industrial boom has been driven in the last ten years by e commerce. That's plateauing, but the next one, the next two decades is going to be driven by um, by uh, deglobalization and reindustrialization, reshoring, $1 trillion U.S. companies spent last year to reshore, $1 trillion. It's going to happen again this year. So those are some of the biggest things that I'm paying attention to. That's great. So I know we are uh, running long
0: here today, and that this is, this has been fantastic. If you have a couple more minutes, um, you know, I, you, you mentioned that you do write economic forecasts. Can you talk a little bit about what you see for the second half of 2023 and beyond? I know we've we've talked about a lot of things that you see coming, but just generally, like, where do you see things going, um, especially with, I don't know, by the time this podcast releases, maybe the, the debt ceiling conversation is over. But can you just talk generally about, about economic forecasts and, and what you see coming? Well, the Fed
1: is or the, is working real hard to try and cool the economy. The problem is the economy is just as hot as I've ever seen it. And it's because of the stimulus. So I actually describe why. Um, the stimulus that they did is different than every other stimulus that's ever been done with direct payments to individuals. And we figured out that if you lower interest rates, well, that's great, but only if people want to borrow money, right? What if they don't want to borrow money, right? Back in Two thousand nine, you couldn't convince anybody to borrow money to build a factory, right? No one is like, right. forget it. I don't need a new factory. No one wants a factory, you know. But if you go take take you know trillions of dollars and you pump them into people's bank accounts, guess what happened? I mean, let's say we wired the population of America, every man, woman, and child, a million dollars. Just wired it to them. Boom. What's going to happen? Well, th- most of them quit their job, right? Which is exactly what we saw happen, and then go start buying things. They go shopping like crazy and buying everything. That's exactly what we've seen happening. And so the stimulus they they did is we figured out this never been done. Well, now we know what happens. You know, it's it's like this jolt, um, incredible high, and uh, there's so much liquidity in the in the economy right now, and it's not going away anytime soon. So the Fed is going to have a hell of a time cooling the economy. Now they can do it. Um, but it's 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 not going to be easy. So far, I have been predicting a, a soft landing that's changing a little bit with the banking crisis that happened. And, and mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know. I don't think the debt ceiling is a big deal yet. I mean, it's not a big deal until it is. But right now, I'm not, <laughs> right. it's kind of whatever. Um, I don't think they're going to default. But if they did, it is going to be tough. But assuming they, it's just negotiating and they'll get over that like they always do. Um, The bigger issue is the bank crisis, which, you know, small banks are responsible for a lot of small business lending and small business lending is the major job creator in America. Um, So, um, so that's just, that's really drying up a lot of capital at a place where it's needed and the big banks don't do small business lending really. And so it's a... it's, so i so i'm i'm more towards we might be a little bit harder than a soft landing at this point but i don't think it's going to be a crash there's just too much strength in the economy right now um so again we'll see but yeah i'm i'm, I'm not i'm pretty optimistic i'm good good
0: i'm glad to hear that so the last question i always ask is um what's a great podcast that you listen to and you cannot say invest like a billionaire that's oh. your podcast that what that's going to be in the it's going to be in the show notes anyway. So we'll put that in there. But what's another podcast
1: that you listen to? You know, one of my faves that I'm listening to now is Peter Zeihan on uh on uh on geopolitics. So I'm really enjoying him. Okay.
0: Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes along with invest like a billionaire. That's a great podcast. It's always one of my, uh, one of my favorites. There's lots of great information. So I recommend everybody go check that one out. Um, if listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about Aspen, uh, what's the best way to do that?
1: Aspen, like the tree funds, F-U-N-D-S dot us and left fielders go make some money in 2023. That's right. That's that's the goal. That's the goal, and we can talk more about that in
0: October. Hopefully, we'll have you at the conference again. But this has been fantastic. Uh, appreciate your your time here. I know we went over, but um, I really appreciate your flexibility and great content as always. So thank you very much for being on the show. Pleasure to be here with you as always. Thank you. Visor provides investors with a secure platform that displays a comprehensive view of all of their holdings on a single holistic dashboard. From real estate syndications to private equity, crypto to traditional investments with AI-driven, unbiased, honest insights to maximize return, Visor is your one place to rule them all. Automating performance tracking, projecting future cash flow, analyzing all your financial documents, and much more in one powerful solution, making it easy to follow the money. Sign up for a free 30-day trial now at pfizer.co so hope you enjoyed part two of the uh, the conversation with with Bob Frazier from Aspen he just fascinates me with so much good information and this second part was talking about mega trends mostly and was talking about you know where we're going and economic forecasting and and you know, the, the mega trends were demographics and I loved how he talked about that as, as a glacier, right? It's slow but it's unavoidable. It's coming and it's gonna just grind everything in its way and it's really gonna change things. So it's important for us to understand demographics and, and what's coming. Um, energy, you know, he says <laughs> I love it. He says, if you gotta put a paper bag over your head to invest in, it's probably a good time to invest. So yeah, there are some problems with energy. In, and issues that people have had in the past of losing money. And it's also, you know, most of the energy investments are not clean and people are moving towards a cleaner uh, type of energy. But we're not we're not there yet. It has to be all of the above. We can't just go wind, solar and forget oil. Unfortunately, we're going to have to be with oil for a while. So if we can make some money off of it, that that seems to make sense to me. And it's a paper bag asset class. So maybe maybe now is time for it. another one. Uh, he said it was paperback asset class was was a uh, retail. So maybe maybe that's uh, something to look at as well. And he talked about inflation and and some of the causes causes there and and how he thinks it's going to be for a while that we're going to be involved in this this inflation. And there's lots of reasons and it probably would have happened without the pandemic. But the pandemic just kind of accelerated everything. And then all the money that was handed out really caused issues um, that that are. Longer term than I think than I think people thought. So there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of uncertainties in the economy. But I was pleased that Bob thinks that you know a soft landing is possible. But regardless, he has a positive outlook on the economy and and, and you know bullish about America. And part of that was in the first conversation we had talking about China and demographics. And the demographics really are going to make a difference in in everything. And the U.S. is in a, is in a good place because we we might be not getting to the 2.1 uh, children per, per woman to, to kind of keep the uh, keep the growth but we're not falling like the other like the other countries and and so you know I think our our situation is going to be better than most because also where we have energy independence which is crucial he talked about again company or countries like China and, and some of the European countries do not have that and their their costs are going to be much higher than us so the US is in a good place and he has confidence, and, and that makes me feel good. And again, I just love talking to Bob. We'll get him on. I think last time it was almost two years between episodes with Bob, but we'll make sure to do another checkup with him in six months or, or a year just to see how things are going. So that was great. great talking to Bob. He's always interesting, and we hope to see him in October in the, in the meetup in Left Field. He put it on his calendar, so he'll uh, hopefully be one of the speakers there. And until then, that's all we have. We'll see you next time in the Left Field. Thanks for hanging out in the left field with us today. If you are interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com and click the subscribe button to join our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to the show on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the show, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast would be appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by passive investing from left field and left field investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.